oh, my friend, this is a time to be joyful. I know there's a lot of pressure because it's the season and family and gifts and and it's a lot of stress and a lot of strife, but I'm going to tell you something right now. Don't ever lose the joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that tonight. I want to turn your attention to the book of Amos chapter 3, and we'll look at verse 12. Amos chapter 3 and verse 12. Amos, of course, is an Old Testament prophet, and uh, he is telling of uh, a situation where Israel, uh, who has been away from God, is going to uh, be restored and returned back. And uh, he describes uh, this experience in, in a very unique way that I want to try to lift from Scripture and, and try to apply it to our lives today. Amos chapter 3 and verse 12 says, Thus saith the Lord, As the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out that dwell in Samaria in the corner of a bed and in Damascus in a couch. Hear ye and testify in the house of Jacob, saith the Lord God, the God of hosts, that in the day that I shall visit the transgressions of Israel upon him, I will also visit the altars of Bethel. It is no secret that when we look at Scripture, we see that we are described as sheep in Scripture. It was very unique for us earlier this year as we were in the countries of Australia and New Zealand to go. One day we, we went uh, with our family and our friends that were with us on this uh, trip. We went to a sheep farm in New Zealand, and uh, they were there to show us a little bit about how the sheepdogs uh, are, are so gifted and trained in how they can uh, rally sheep together. And it was so, it was so interesting to watch that because uh, the, the, the man who was uh, the trainer of the sheepdog, he could just point, he could just do a little slight whistle, and uh, he, the dog knew where to go. And, and one of the big challenges for the sheepdog was to try uh, to get uh, these sheep to come together. And there were always... Uh, one or two or five or six sometimes little groups that would wander off where they would, uh, they would go a different direction. And so they were trying to get them all together because sheep have a tendency. They have a tendency to sort of wander off, to sort of go astray. In fact, the Bible even says that all we like sheep have gone astray. So it's no secret that we in our humanity are described as sheep in Scripture and that it is a part of our nature uh, to sort of wander off in our flesh. We want to do right. We want to do good. How many times have we made a decision on Sunday? We're going to serve God. We're going to make things right. And then here comes Monday and Tuesday, and we're back in an environment that's negative. We have the wrong people around. We make bad decisions. We wander off. But there's another part to this. The Bible also says, my sheep know my voice, and they shall do great exploits. The sheep may have a tendency to wander off, but they also know the voice of their shepherd, and they will also come back home. I believe this is something that is so important for all of us, is that in our humanity, we may have a tendency to wander off, but guess what? We also have a nature to come back home to our great shepherd, to come back home to Christ. 
In this particular uh, scripture, Amos uh, describes a lion that has gotten a hold of a, of a sheep. And of course, we know that this was always a challenge. We read about David as he was a, a young shepherd boy and how he had to defend the sheep in 1 Samuel from those predators that would try to come in, a lion that tried to come in and a bear that tried to come in and take uh, one of the sheep. They're sort of easy prey, the sheep. They don't fight back. Uh, you know, They can't really defend themselves against these predators. And so Amos describes this lion that has literally tried to devour a sheep. And uh, there's two legs hanging out. There's part of an ear. The Bible didn't even say the whole ear, just a piece of an ear is all that's hanging out of the mouth of the lion. We know the lion is the enemy. The Bible says that. It says that Satan goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so this is indeed a picture of what the enemy would try to do uh, to each of us, to somehow uh, devour us, to, to beat us up. Sin has a tendency to beat us up and to leave us uh, just disheveled and disassembled and in disarray. And so because of all of that, we see that this sheep is in a desperate situation. But as I looked at this verse and contemplated what the purpose of this was, this description of a piece of an ear and, and, and two legs, what did that mean? And the thought that uh, was sort of registering in my heart and spirit is that if you have an ear to hear the word of the Lord, even if you've been beat up by sin, even if uh, the enemy has taken a toll on you and your life and your family and even your health, if you have an ear and you can hear the word of the Lord, there is still hope. If you can just hear the word of God, what a blessing it is to be able to hear the word of God. I would encourage you to hear the word of the Lord every day, whether it be in a podcast or it be in your car or, or it be a live stream video. I'm thankful for people that are tuning in every week to be able to watch online services because there's something about having an ear to hear the word of the Lord. You know, it's amazing, but God will give you a scripture and that scripture will resonate in your heart and spirit. And later on in the day, you'll come across a situation. You're not sure how to handle it. And you'll be reminded of what the word of God came to you earlier that day or even that week. And so if you have an ear to hear, the Bible says, he that hath an ear, let him hear. If you've been beat up, but you still got an ear, then incline it toward the word of God. And then this, this description of a leg, or even in this case, two legs that were uh, hanging out of the mouth. If you've got a leg to stand on the promises of God, you can make it. If you've got an ear to hear, and you've got a leg to stand on, you, even if you've been injured, even if you've been wounded, even if you have to just hobble along, but if you can get up on your feet, oh, hallelujah, if you can get up on your feet and stand and say, I am going to make up my mind this year that I'm going to serve God with all of my heart. Sure, I've made mistakes. Sure, I've been knocked down. Sure, I haven't always done the right thing, but I hear the word of the Lord, and I'm going to make a decision to stand. You don't even have to stand up straight, because even if you've got to hobble along, hallelujah, there's a God that will give you strength, even in your weakened condition. So if you can hear and you can hobble, there is hope. If you can hear and you can hobble, there is hope. You can make it. I can make it. 
First Peter chapter two and verse 21 says, for even here unto were ye called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, you and I, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. See, even though he was in that weakened state, even though Calvary took a toll on him physically, there was this strength that came because he fulfilled his mission. And then verse 25 says, for ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Yes, the Bible describes us as sheep. Yes, we can go astray, but guess what? We still are coming home. We're going to return back unto the shepherd. Maybe sin has taken a toll on you. Maybe the lion has tried to devour you, but guess what? You're still here tonight on Christmas Eve. You're still in the house of the Lord, and in just a moment, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper together as a church, and you know what? There's still hope. God's got a plan for your life. God's got a calling on your life. Hallelujah. If you can hear the word of God, if you can hear the promises of God's word, and you can get up on your feet and say, I may have been knocked down, but I'm not knocked out. Hallelujah. God is still on my side. And I believe that when we return back to that place of being with the shepherd, sin is judged. Sin was judged on the cross, and sin will be judged at the white throne judgment. But the prophecy that came forth from the pen of the prophet says that he will also visit the altar of Bethel. He will also visit the altar of Bethel. Amos describes that there's a consequence coming for Israel's backslidden condition. But he says, even when the Lord comes to judge the transgressions, he's going to also visit the altar of Bethel. This is what's so amazing about our God. Yes, he's a righteous judge. Yes, there are consequences to sin. Yes, there is hurt and pain from making wrong decisions. But there is a God that's full of mercy and love. And that's what Calvary is all about. Yes, he's going to judge sin, but he's also going to visit the altars of Bethel. He's going to visit the altars of prayer. He's going to visit the altars where people gathered to repent. He's going to visit the altars where people gathered together to take communion. Have any of the sheep come home? Has anybody come back to a place of being in the presence of God? He said, I'm going to also visit the altars of Bethel. Bethel is where they made sacrifice. Bethel is where they went and they would build an altar because they wanted the power and the presence of God in their life. Can I tell you tonight on Christmas Eve, you ought to build an altar to Bethel because God will meet you there. Build an altar in Bethel. Build an altar in the midst of your crisis. Build an altar and say, I'm going to bless the Lord anyhow. I'm going to exalt the name of Jesus. It's at this altar where we gather to remember Calvary. The book says there's a judgment. But I also want to remind you tonight that there's a blessing. 
There's a reproach and there's a return. There's rejection and there is repentance. There is a warning in the New Testament not to take of this table unworthily. We read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament, my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. This, of course, is the Lord gathered with his, his 12, and he is reminding them that the hours are, are coming whenever they will uh, experience uh, this great trauma, their Messiah being crucified. And he tells them as they have this, what's described as the Last Supper in historical context, he says that we're gonna, we're gonna have this, but this is more than just a last meal. This is a, an example of what we should do going forward that we don't ever forget. And he said, this cup is the New Testament, my blood. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it, do it in remembrance of me. And as oft as ye eat this bread, and drink this cup, ye do show forth the Lord's death till he come. This must have been a hard thing for those disciples to process at this time. I believe that it was similar to the way we are gathered here tonight. I believe it was, um, it was dark. I believe maybe they had some sort of candle. Maybe they had gathered uh, together in, in some sort of very, um, uh, an area where they, uh, maybe it was a public place. There were uh, many that believed it was in the upper room uh, where later uh, they would receive the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, but even if it was in, in a place like the upper room that was down there in the old city of David, that was a pretty public area. I, I, I believe there was some concern because of uh, the, the warrant that was out for his arrest, if I can say it that way. The, uh, the pieces of the puzzle that were being put in place and the maneuvering of the high priest and all of this, uh, the temple guard that was going on. And, and so I, I think it probably was in hushed tones. There was this, this feeling of impending doom. And maybe it was in darkness. Maybe it was just a few candles. But in the midst of this, maybe they felt like there wasn't much left, just an ear or a leg hanging out. We thought this was going to be victorious. We thought this was going to be an amazing thing where Jesus delivered us from Roman rule. And here we are all gathered together. And he's given them these instructions. And I don't know whether or not these things even resonated with them there. Maybe it didn't become clear until after the resurrection. But he says in verse 24 or 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. I don't know how that resonated with people in that day, in that time, in that context, but it is certainly a message for us today that we oftentimes, when we get to this place and we partake of communion, the scripture gives us clear instructions that we are not to do this frivolously, that we are not to do this without examining our own hearts, our own spirits, and our own lives. But many times when we read these verses, that's a very stern warning to anybody that partakes of the Lord's Supper. I believe sometimes we stop reading there and we understand that there is a judgment. There is indeed a judgment that, 
someone would partake of communion and not do it without the examination of their own heart. It goes on and it says this, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And I thought of this uh, earlier this week as I prepared for this uh, time together with you tonight and I thought about these verses and what it meant. And I thought about how there are these consequences for not discerning the Lord's body. What does the word discerning mean? It means to be able to see what others can't see. For something to be revealed that's not obvious. To have the gift of discernment. To be able to discern what it means. And I thought about this. There is consequences. There's a judgment. There's a price to be paid if we don't discern the Lord's body. But if we do discern the Lord's body, there's strength that comes in that. How do we discern the Lord's body? Even as we talked about this morning, there seems to be uh, this contrast, this oxymoron, as it were, between uh, how that Jesus was not attractive to look upon. There's no form of comeliness, and, and we hid, as it were, our faces and all, all of these descriptions, and yet we see the, the popularity of his ministry and the contrast of that. And here we see it once again that there seemingly is this contrast where uh, there is this damnation that comes to us if we don't discern the Lord's body. But yet we also know that by his stripes we are healed. This is something so unique about partaking of communion that there is this judgment and this blessing that all happens at the same time. And I don't know about you, but I want to be on the blessing side of it. And so for me to be on the blessing side of it, I have to discern the Lord's body. I have to understand what it means, what we're partaking of. We're not just fulfilling some ritual. We're acknowledging that through Calvary, everything we need, we find in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We discern the Lord's body. We find strength in the Lord's body. Yes, we may be weak. We may be hurting. Some of you may be experiencing sickness right now. But I've come to tell you, there's strength in the Lord's body. By his stripes, we are healed. There's a resurrection that's coming through the Lord's body. We are the body of Christ as the church of the living God. And there's strength in the body of Christ. There's strength in the house of God. There's strength in Scripture. He says, for if we would judge ourselves... We should not be judged. There's the blessing. We're weak, we get sick, we die. But if I discern the Lord's body, if I recognize where my strength comes from, then our judgment is self-imposed. And folks, it's much better to judge yourselves than to have him judge us. So every time we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are judging ourselves. We are turning the spotlight of his glory on our own life. And if we do that, the Bible says the Lord won't judge us because we judge ourselves. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you that there's a blessing in that? I said there's a blessing in that. It's much better to judge yourselves than to have him judge you. 
It's kind of like when I was in school and they used to say, okay, on this test, everybody grade their own papers. I'm gonna tell you right now, I always did better on those exams. I mean, if the one who was the creator of the exam, the teacher graded it, it always seemed like it was a, on a harder you know, level. It was a more difficult curve. But oh, when I got to, I got to grade my own paper, I would be like, uh, yeah, that may not be exactly right, but I knew what you meant. That was, yeah, that was pretty much the same thing. I mean, I was so generous with my thought process. And the Bible says that we will examine ourselves. I know it's easy to focus on that judgment part of communion. And certainly, I'm not here today to, to try to make it sound like that that's not important. But I do want to remind you that there's a blessing that happens at this table also. There's something powerful that happens uh, when a bunch of believers get together on the eve of Christmas and say, Lord, we're going to recognize, we're going to discern the Lord's body and what it means to have Jesus as the focal point of our lives. So I say to you tonight, return, return back to the place of examination. Return back to the altars of Bethel. Come home, come home this Christmas. Come back to a place of repentance. God will receive you if you will return. God will forgive you if you will ask. It's Christmas time, and it's time to come home. Would you stand to your feet? Our ushers are coming, and they're going to prepare to be able to serve you in communion. And I'm going to ask all of you that would uh, desire to partake of communion uh, to either come down here in the altar area or step out in the aisle. If you would not want to partake of communion tonight, just stay in your seat. But if you would like to partake of communion, I'm going to invite everybody to come down here together, and they're going to give you this little cup, and it's sealed. We'd ask that you would just hold the cup for just a moment, and uh, we're going to uh, receive communion together. And as you're receiving communion, I want to talk to you for just a moment. I don't know if it's possible, Brother Richie, if we could uh, bring Bishop up here, but I feel like we need to have our Bishop pray over us before we receive communion. Thank you, Brother Eddie. Maybe we can get him a microphone, and, and in just a moment, we're going to have Bishop pray over us. But as we were talking, I wanted to, to just remind all of us that when we have a church like we're a part of here at East Wind, and we have this great body of believers there are a lot of different aspects to being a part of a group of people of a thousand people or more. There's a lot of benefit. There's a lot of social value in that. But I don't ever want us to forget that the common denominator that brings us all together is the price that Jesus paid on Calvary. And you say, Pastor, well, that's a message of Easter. Why are we talking about that on Christmas? Because the birth of Jesus and the death of Jesus is inextricably linked together. There's no division. They are part and parcel to each other because the birth of Jesus and the death of Jesus was all part of the mission of the divine plan of God. And you know what it was based in? It was based in his love for each and every one of us. It was his love for us that brings us all together on Christmas Eve. And so in just a moment, we're going to partake of this communion. And when we do, 
I want us to turn the spotlight of God's love on our own heart and our own life. And I want us to say, Lord, if there be anything in my life that does not belong, if there be a thought or an attitude or anything that's not right, I'm asking you right now, Lord, to just remove it out of my spirit so that when we receive this communion together, we can do it in such a way that we can have pure hearts and a pure life and we can discern the body of Christ. Does everybody have a cup? Is there anybody that's been missed that doesn't? Just raise your hand if, if anybody. There's one lady right over here, if an usher. Thank you so much, brother. Brother Derek. Anybody else? Everybody's good. Bishop, would you come and would you just pray over us? And then when you do, we're going to receive communion together. Let's all bow our head together. Lord Jesus, we love you so much, Lord, tonight. We thank you, Jesus, for the great price that you paid for us to have salvation. You so loved us, Lord, that you went to Calvary that we might have eternal life. And this is only part of the Last Supper. We partake of it, Lord. And we know, Jesus, you're coming back for your people. We ask you, Lord, to help every one of us, Lord, to know how important it is for us, Lord, to continue to this walk with you, to trust in you, that this wafer is your body broken and that this uh, juice is your blood shed. Yes. Lord, it's type of. And we thank you, Jesus, that you love us and that you care about us, Lord, and your hand is upon us. Jesus. And we ask you to bless every soul in this congregation here tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. I want us to do this a little bit different tonight. Uh, we usually receive all of this together, but I think it would be good for us just to receive the wafer uh, first and, and to talk about that, and then after that, we'll, uh, we'll drink of the juice together. But we, we want to just reveal that little, uh, that little uh, clear plastic on the top. If you just pull that back, there's a little wafer that's on the top. We'd ask that you would take that out and just hold that in your hand. And I want to make sure that everybody understands this, that we, we don't believe in transubstantiation. Transubstantiation is a belief that, that this is actually becomes the body of Christ uh, when we put it in our mouth. No, we recognize that this is not the actual body of Christ, but this is a representation of the body of Christ. And that's what Jesus was saying when he instructed his disciples, that he said, this is my body. He was saying... This is a representation of my body. And so when we receive that, we're saying, Lord, we recognize by discerning the Lord's body that this is a representation of the broken body of Christ and the price that was paid for our salvation. Would you take that wafer right now? Would you hold that in your hand? And would you pray and say, Lord, let me discern your body in this time together. Let me understand what it means, Lord to find strength and health because of what you did for us, Lord. To be reminded once again, as you instructed your followers to do it in remembrance. We partake of it, Lord, by representing your body and what it means to each and every one of us that we have strength and we have health because of your body. In the name of Jesus, let's receive the wafer together right now in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Let's worship him for just a moment. 
Thank you, Lord, for this body. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you for what it represents. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, and we give praise unto you. Hallelujah. Oh, we bless the name of the Lord. What a great God you are, Lord. We thank you for your love for each of us. Thank you, Lord, for the price that was paid on Calvary. Thank you, Lord, that you robed yourself in flesh. You came, Lord, to this earth. You robed yourself, Lord, in humanity. You took on flesh, Lord, that one day we would take on your spirit. Hallelujah. And you were born of the Virgin Mary in a manger in Bethlehem. And you fulfilled the mission, O oh Lord. And you went to the cross, Lord, not in defeat, but in victory. Hallelujah. That our sins would be remitted, that they would be removed. Hallelujah. That they would be forgiven by Calvary. Hallelujah. And then when we partake of this drink, we are saying, Lord, we recognize that this is your blood. The blood that was shed. Oh, my friend, it's still flowing this very day. Oh, I'm thankful for that old song. I see a crimson stream of blood. It's still the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. That gives us strength to overcome sin. Aren't you thankful for the blood of Jesus? Amen. Now, if you'll just pull back that tinfoil, it will reveal the drink. And let's receive communion together right now by drinking of this and representation of his blood. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, that's it. Just lift your voice up to him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for the blood of Calvary. There is power, wonder-working power in your blood. Hallelujah, Lord. We deserve your body tonight, Lord. We recognize the power of the blood of Jesus. Let it flow, oh God. Let it cover our homes. Let it cover our families. Let it cover our children, oh God. Even as the children of Israel applied the blood to the doorpost of their homes. Oh, let this blood be applied to the doorpost of our hearts. Let it be applied to our minds and our spirits, oh God. We are healed by your blood. Oh God, we pray for those that are sick, those that are members of our church that maybe can't even be here tonight because they're sick in their body. Oh, let the blood of Jesus flow to them right now. I pray for a mass healing in the name of Jesus. Those that are suffering from cancer, let them be delivered right now in the name of Jesus. Heal them, Lord. Bring them forth with your strength and your power. Hallelujah, Jesus. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Oh, we bless the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Heal our minds. Heal our hearts, oh, Lord. 
Heal our society, O oh God. Heal our hurting cities, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. I pray, O oh God, for those that may be suffering from depression tonight. I pray that they would feel the presence and the love of God. I pray you'd wrap your, wrap your arms around those that are suffering with drug addictions and alcohol addictions and those that are suffering uh, uh, from being addicted to uh, uh, drugs of the society, O oh God. Opiates, O oh Lord, deliver them, O oh God, by your word. Heal them, O oh God, with the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, if you believe the Lord has heard your prayer, would you rejoice in the Lord right now? We rejoice in you, Lord. We discern your body. We celebrate your glory. Hallelujah. You are great and greatly to be praised. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. What a great God we serve. What a great God we serve. Hallelujah. Why don't you hug your brother and sister and tell them you love them. Amen. Tell them Merry Christmas. The ushers will be right here. Make sure you return these back. Amen. Return these back to the ushers. And... Uh, we wish all of you a very Merry Christmas. They're going to sing as we're being dismissed.